Okay, so today's Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. We have a really special guest, Nat Porter. Uh, before I introduce Nat officially, I just want to go through some of the, the details of her career. So, so Nat's been a, an AIS scholarship holder, um, was a professional basketballer. Um, she had a fantastic WNBL career. Um, she was a draft pick, a 61st draft pick for the uh, New York Liberty in the 2000 WNBA draft. She played professional uh, basketball in Italy in 2009. She's an Olympic silver medalist from the Athens Games. But I think most importantly, she was a player coach of the mighty Maitland <laughs> Mustangs. So yes. welcome, Nat Porter. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks very much for having me, Craig. No that worries. Good news at Maitland. Yeah, Mighty yeah. Mustangs. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember that was one of the, we spoke. We were fortunate before all the the world went through this COVID. We got to catch up. My one of my daughters was playing in in Victoria in a tournament, and you were coaching, and we went out for dinner, and we got to talk to you and reminisce about some of those things. So. I still remember um, there was a college men's college team come to town and, <laughs> and I convinced the GM to, to let our, our women's coach play and, and you killed it that night. You killed those guys. It was so much that fun was to watch. so funny. Yeah, that was very funny. I think that they probably didn't show me as much respect as they should have. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't they? You're an Olympian. You're a silver yeah, medalist. They should have. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Oh, it was pretty funny. Drained a few threes. That was good. Yeah. And so you guys could see behind you, you're dealing with COVID-19 like the rest of us. Yeah, we are. We're working from home, which is great. I mean, that's how we started the business anyway, working yep. from home. So uh, so the transition back to home wasn't too bad. But um, yeah, it's, it's very surreal being back yeah, well, to where we started. And oh, I wanted sorry. to start with where you guys are now. So you've had this professional sporting career, but now you run a, a business called Empire, Empire Travel in particular. Tell mm. us what that is. Uh, so we specialise in uh, international and domestic experiences for young children. So sort of between the ages of 13 and 19, um, school-age students uh, that play sport or want to go on educational trips overseas. Um, so we've been facilitating that since 2010 was when I first got started. So give me an example. What sort of tours? Um, so I guess if we talk about basketball, which is my thing. Uh, so, you know, we have a group of, uh, of 24 people, uh, perhaps, and they head over to the US for about three weeks, go around and play against some high schools, play in some high school tournaments, do some homestays uh, with local American families, which is really cool. Uh, and then they get the whole basketball experience as well. So they get to go behind the scenes of some of the, uh, the most famous and infamous, I guess you would call it, universities, such <laughs> as like UNC, Chapel Hill, yep. uh, Duke, you know, those sort of colleges and go to NBA games. Um, they also get to do some volunteering as well. So give back to the communities that they're, they're spending time in. And of course, tick off some of the sightseeing. So Disneyland and um, whatnot. That sounds amazing. I, I get to follow yeah. you on social media and watch some of those <laughs> tours and envious of kids going to Chapel Hill and yeah, Cameron Indoor and all those sorts of places and, and getting those experiences. And, and you do go, how do, how do you get, is it through your network that you get such um, intimate experiences at those places? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, obviously, it's been a long, spent a long time developing those relationships, and not didn't even really know I had those relationships until I started the business. Yep. Um, and I guess that's sort of how the business evolved. Um, I was just doing. I'd finished my masters at Sydney University, whilst I was playing for the Flames, and um, yep. and started doing some work experience with Rising Stars Travel, who was a sponsor of the Flames. And I just happened to be there at the right time, and uh, one of their customers um, was was travelling to the US and couldn't get any games. Uh, and they had rung Rising Stars and said, you know, do you have anybody that could help us out with sort of putting an itinerary together? And, of course, they went to me as a basketballer. And, and yeah, I just was like, oh, well, I know a fair few people in the States. I'll just make a few phone calls. And that, that's really how it evolved. So it was sort of just 
you know, calling on some, some old mates and some favors and yeah, going from there. So it's, it's, you know, the basketball world, whilst it's very protected, it's also, you know, if you do the right thing by people, they're more than willing to help you out. Um, you know, so especially if we go to new places within America, you know, I'll just hit up some of my current contacts and they're more than happy to put me onto new people and sort of that word of mouth, I guess, advertising, um, then people are, yeah, very hospitable over there. And do you love it? Absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. It's a great, it doesn't feel like a job. It really yeah, is. Yeah. You know, but this is 10 years, 10 years now I've been doing it. It doesn't feel like I <laughs> want to get out of my 10 year full-time job. I absolutely love it. The best okay. thing, I mean, the best thing I love about it is that for me, when I went on trips, when I was a kid, like that were the best, like some of the best memories I've ever had Absolutely. You know, of a kid. But now like I get to look on the kids' faces and I can just empathize exactly how they felt, their feeling and how they felt. And that's awesome. I'm so glad I get to create. And that's why we call it experiences. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like a life experience. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I still say, uh, can't do it at the moment with COVID, but I still reckon the best thing with junior basketball is getting a bunch of kids on a bus and taking them to a place and playing in a tournament because the basketball is almost irrelevant. The, what they experience together on the bus and outside of the games is where they really truly bond and make friendships for life. Absolutely. Yeah. The camaraderie. It's just, yeah, it doesn't matter where you go. You can go to Ballarat <laughs> just down the road or head overseas. But um, yes, yeah, it's just such a wonderful thing to do as a kid so and really opens your eyes. Outside of basketball, what other experience <laughs> does, does your travel uh, business take on? Yeah. So we do pretty much every other sport. We've sort of, we've done something in every other area. Um, one of my favorite ones was a trip to Jamaica Um one of the guys I used to work out with in Sydney, Hayden Knowles, he's actually with the um, Penrith Panthers. He's their strength and conditioning coach. Um, he had a group. He also does, his dad um, actually coached Danny Samuels. Um, so they have a very athletic um, background in terms of training. So he had a group, I think it was about 16 athletes that were looking to um, go to Rio uh, or further on, you know, down their careers. Um, and we went and worked out, well, not me personally. <laughs> they went and worked out at their, the AIS version um, in Kingston, Jamaica. Yeah, and right. it was an incredible experience. It really was an incredible experience. Um, the lady that hosted us, it was uh, Usain Bolt's business manager. Uh, so they've got to run on Usain's track. You know, they got to go and run on all the other couple, you know, a couple of other Jamaican runners tracks. Um, it was phenomenal. It was a really cool experience. So that obviously we do other sports, but that was probably the best one we've done. Uh, and then we do things like Anzac. Um, we, we'll yeah, we're okay. meant to be having a group go over to do an Anzac trip yep. uh, through France and up into Germany in the middle of the year. Um, so is that sporting related as well as? No. No, no so just, just purely, purely just an Anzac. Yep. Yeah, just purely an Anzac trip. Um, so I you've guess really evolved because... from being a sporting travel agency to a experience agency, haven't you? Yeah, we have. We have. And because we have, you know, one of the things that we do like to hold ourselves accountable is, is that repeat business. So, you know, some of the schools we've been working with now, we've been working with for eight years. Um, and because they love what we do, it's not reinventing the wheel for just a, just a different, um, I guess, genre of, of tour. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so we put all different types. Really, if anybody comes to us with anything, you know, we've, we've looked at languages. Um, we've done some historical stuff. We've gone... Um, We've done a lot of itineraries up into, you know, um, regional New South Wales, regional Northern Territory, um, that area there. So really, it's just if they come to us with it, we'll we'll look at it and see if we can do it. I mean, there's certainly some things we don't want to bite off more than we can chew. But um, yep. if we think that we have contacts, um, 
we can do you know a fantastic job at it then we'll, we'll give it a crack okay and so yeah. COVID-19 I'm guessing it's greatly affected your business it has yes it's been an interesting time um, <laughs> very interesting time because we work we're very seasonal obviously you know yep. um, obviously go with the school holidays in terms of travel for our school groups, which accounts for about 70% of our business. Um, yep. So whilst most of our groups this year, uh, this is probably the first year we've had quite good balance throughout the year. We've had, you know, a few groups in each of the school holidays with a lot still at the end of the year. Um, so obviously most of the ones going through this year have had to cancel, unfortunately. Um, so but a few hanging on for the end of the year, which is good, um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, lots to evolve over the next couple of months, so we'll see what happens there. So what are you doing as a business during this time? Uh, so uh, we had, to, I guess, I keep saying to my friends and everybody that's just struggling through isolation right now, yep. we just struggled back in February. I think we were probably a month before yep. um, it really hit. Um, that was really difficult for me personally as, you know, the owner. Yeah. Um, with staff and having to, um, you know, let, let a couple of staff go. Uh, we had to reduce hours. Um, so everybody's sort of just doing one day a week um, from home at the moment because there really isn't, aside from cancellations <laughs> and uh, postponing things and talking to suppliers, there's really, it's very difficult to plan because we don't even know what 2021 looks like at this stage in terms of, you know, international borders opening, closing, uh, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's just, that's, it's sort of, I, I hate to say it, but it's really stagnant right now. It's just, mm. we're just waiting to see where things go. Um, and obviously for us, you know, myself and Kirsten, we're just uh, planning for the future, what that looks like. Um, you know, if things don't return to normal, how can we still keep the business alive? Yep. You know, what domestic offerings can we, can we make? What could we do with New Zealand? Because obviously that yeah. relation between New Zealand and Australia will be probably one of the first to come back. Um, so what can we do there? It's just, you know, travel's a very hard market. It's so diluted. There's, we're not only up against our direct competitors. We're also up against the flight centres and Hello Worlds that have you know, economies of scale. We might say, yep, go to the Gold Coast and they can do it for <laughs> 50% cheaper. So um, it's, a, it's a difficult, that's a t it's a tough one. It's a tough one. However, I'm very confident. I'm confident that we'll return um, just when that will be and what the size of our team, how much of our team can stay on for the long term if it's a long term you know, they're also things that we just have to play by ear and, and go from there so tell me about before it declined so nat porter superstar basketballer yes. obviously that wasn't your job title uh, with Empire. <laughs> what was your job title what was your day-to-day -day job yeah so i was just managing managing director so mm -hmm. um pretty took pretty much just took care of the strategy. So where we're going forward, um, made sure that hold, held the team accountable. So Kirsten's GM, so she took care of the operations admin team. Um, so we would just obviously meet quite regularly to see, make sure that they were doing what they needed. And I would really be working um, quite closely with the sales and marketing team. So making sure that you know, they're hitting targets, looking forward, leads, all that sort of stuff. Um, so that really, that was my main focus um, and is still my main focus. Um, however, I've obviously taken on more of the sales role again, yep. <laughs> which is good fun. Um, I do like doing that. Uh, so yeah, so that's really my day-to-day, my -day, um, just making sure that I'm leading the team um, forward and, and just keep innovating and creating new things within the business. So you mentioned you did some study while you were playing at Sydney University. Um, yes. How how did that study um, assist you in being a manager of people? Well, I did a master of business, so it was probably a good one. Mm -hmm. um, and I majored in marketing. 
which was always something I've, I've had an interest in um, from a young age. I, my first job was with Nike and that was always my dream job was to be in sports marketing at Nike. I thought that would be really cool. So <laughs> Did I you get to meet Phil Knight? <laughs> no, I didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, so I just uh, uh, did the study, obviously. But, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say really. I mean, some of the theories you probably look at, you know, like a SWOT analysis yeah, yep. and doing a Absolutely. business plan and all those types of things. But um, it obviously instilled a platform and a foundation yep. of skills. Um, but in terms of managing people, I probably I don't think I got that from the degree. I think, Do you think I sport, got that from, sport gave you? I think sport absolutely gave me that. Yeah. I definitely, I don't know how I would have learnt that within the degree because you didn't have to manage anyone. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You, you were in a group of four, that was about it. And yep. You had to just get the work done. But um, I think managing people certainly came from leadership roles within sport. Absolutely. Okay. And so coaching go, now. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. We'll get to that in a second. But let's go sure. back to little Nat Porter playing basketball in Victoria, having a dream. Were you great? Were you a good player at juniors? Did you represent your state in juniors? Yeah, I did. Yep. I yep. was pretty good, pretty handy. So could you, could you, <laughs> as you were growing up then, did you have that dream to go and play professionally? Is that what you wanted to do? Is that what your aspiration yeah, was? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. And so I, you were um, driven to do that. I was driven to do that. My, my goal was to stand up on the dice at the Olympics. Awesome. That was it. So step me yeah. through then, 10-year-old uh, Nat Porter. How does she create that dream? How does she go and then you know, make success at, at, at an early age where you like mm. hitting the court every day. What, 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 what would it look like? Yeah. So one thing, you know, in hindsight now, looking back, it was never, it didn't ever feel like a chore. Yeah. That's probably the first, probably a really important thing because yep. I see a lot of kids that are being pushed by the parents or coaches to do something that probably feels like doing the dishes to them. Yep. Yep. And that's where you should just go find something else. But for me, it never felt like that. Never, not once did my parents have to say, go out and practice. <laughs> I was already, I was already there. They were more like, come in and do your homework or come in and eat your dinner. Yep. Um, so that was, that's really what I put down my early success to was that I just loved, loved, loved playing sport, obviously basketball in particular, but I loved playing footy. Yep. Like I loved cross country. I loved all that stuff in primary school. I, I couldn't get enough of sport. So I was just, I guess, naturally, um, talented and naturally gifted in terms of that and yeah anything I tried I had good coordination so I just kept going with it yeah, great yeah okay and so tell me how did you get the Institute of Sports Scholarship how does that work uh so I was selected as a um, bottom major to play with Vic Metro under 16 nationals so I was 13 I think 14 14 um I didn't get to play a lot, but obviously the scouts, the AIS coaches would go and attend the nationals there. Yep. Um, and they spoke to my parents. Um, I remember then when I met Phil Brown um, uh, at that nationals, had no idea what the AIS was. Or maybe I, I think I went there at grade six camp, but yeah, didn't really know too much about it. And then he obviously just stayed in contact because I was there the next year. I was, went in, Susie Bakovic and I um, went in together. And no, we were both the youngest. Good local girl. Yeah, she is. I know. <laughs> good old Suze. Uh, yeah, so we went in together. We were year 10. We were super, super young. Everyone yeah, else right. was in BCE. So you would um, have had to do schooling as well as um, basketball? Sorry. My Siri is playing up on my... You know what? My Siri... <laughs> I do Zoom calls all the time and Siri's never popped up. I don't even know where that's coming from. So I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I just was... The question was, did you have to do schooling at the Institute of Sport, not just basketball? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So... Um, 
and I found that really, really difficult. Um, okay. I went to Wesley College in Melbourne, uh, private school, which I, I love, love being at Wesley. Um, and I went to AIS and had to go to Canberra High School, which was very, 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 very different to Wesley. Uh, you know, there was n- nothing about strictness really in terms of uniform, yeah, getting okay. to class on time or anything like that. So I guess for me, I liked the, I liked the discipline. I liked the routine. I liked the fact that they held you accountable for things. Whereas at Canberra, it was not like that at all. We could pretty much go do whatever you liked. Um, so I really disliked school. And I think that that probably rubbed off my experience with AIS as well. Um, yeah, okay. Obviously, I was really young. I was very homesick. I missed home. I injured yep. myself um, at a camp just before we actually started our scholarships anyway. Okay. Uh, so I never actually got to play at AIS. So I ended up um, coming home back, a few months. Back then, the AIS would have been in the WNBL. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so I had been, I came home in the, the term one holidays to have surgery on my knee and I just ended up staying home. I didn't okay. end up going back to AIS. Yeah. So given that, given what the AIS is, would, mm. looking back now, do you, do you wish you'd stayed, been able to stay and not been injured or does your path already been in place? Mm. That's a good question. I definitely don't regret not going back. Yep. But I know, obviously, LJ and her team did a pretty yeah. amazing thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> back then and I'm um, you know, mates with quite, quite a lot of those girls on that team. So that would have been pretty special, I think, to have been yep. a, a part of that, absolutely. Um, but I don't, I definitely don't regret not going back. Okay. So what happens then? So where, where do you go? So did you go back to school, go back to Wesley? Yep. So I went back to Wesley. Um, And again, you know, obviously coming from Victoria, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by WNBL clubs anyway. Um, So I pretty much went straight into the Dandong Rangers program with Steve Barr, which is, I mean, fantastic too. It's a different different environment than AIS, obviously. Um, So back then, was that your like local team? No. No? No, my local team was Nunnawood Inspectors. Um, They used to have a WNBL team when I was probably about 10, you know, when I was in under 12s. Uh, but they didn't have one when I was started playing WNBL. It was just Dan and Owen Bulling and Melbourne Tigers, actually. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I was lucky enough to, to get on the roster for Dan and actually start a few games, which was pretty cool, with Jess Bibby and Lucille Hamilton and Regina Day. So, there's, you know, I mean, the names go on, really. It was, yeah. uh, it was awesome. So, yeah, it was cool. So, But I'm really guessing cool. that if it was a professional league, you wouldn't have been getting paid a whole lot, I'm guessing. Uh, I think $1,000 was my first contract. Yep. Which was so, good for a 15-year-old. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I wasn't getting that at the AIS. Better I was than getting free food there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did work always, though. I always work. Yeah, well, that, that's what I wanted to ask yeah. about. So, you know, most men's sporting teams back in those days were probably of a higher level in terms of dollars. Um, mm. You guys would have been semi-professional and had to work. So what sort of jobs mm. did you have back when you started uh, moving through the ranks of the WNBL? Yeah, so I, I pretty much worked throughout my entire career because my, yep. my highest contract was $25,000. That yeah, was okay. my highest. And that was, that was playing in Sydney. So that's, yep. I mean, probably didn't make any money, <laughs> to yep. be honest. It all went on rent. Um, so I had to work, which was fine because I, you know, I'm sure you can tell because I have my own business. I'm entrepreneurial. Mm. So I like getting my hands stuck into things. Yep. Um, so as I said, so I started at Nike. Um, when I was playing in Melbourne and stayed there for a few years. And then when I moved up to So what did you do for Nike? What was the job? 
so I worked at Nike Town. So when mm-hmm. they launched their big, uh, their oh, yeah, big the store. Um, store within Burke Street, um, it was 1998. It was actually the end of my year 12. Um, mm-hmm. So I pretty much did my last exam and then started my four weeks training with Nike at a brand new store. So yeah, I was a part-time sales specialist on the, on the floor, worked in the yep. basketball and soccer area, which was really cool. Met Michael Schumacher. That was pretty funny. Really? Okay. <laughs> he came in to get some shoes and um, you used to have to call up to the back of, back of house and they'd send them down the chute. Yep. And I was on the phone and they're like, do you know who you're serving? <laughs> Whilst I'm on the phone. Because there was people starting to fill up. I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> and they're like, that's Michael Schumacher. I was like, okay, cool. So then all these people are around him and I was just obviously... Just, oh, that's nice. Nice to meet you. I didn't really know him that well. so He was probably going, uh, that's Nat Porter serving me. Yeah, no, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, so that was Nike. So that was cool. That was really cool. I love loved working there because they worked. So why did probably you love working there? What, what, was the, what was the best bit about working there? Why? Well, I mean, because I love Nike. You love the shoes, <laughs> yeah. Love the shoes, love the clothes. You know, yep. I was a very, very loyal Nike fan. Yep. Uh, obviously, working in the basketball section, there was all about Mock Jordan, Kobe and all that. Yep. It was cool. Um, but I just love what Nike s- stands for, you know, the goddess of victory, you know, all of the, the training was so, it was like being involved in a team. You know, it yeah, was cool. like being at, at practice. They yep. had the same thing. You'd have your morning huddle. That was, it was cool. It really re- resembled what we did on the, on the, on the court. So yeah, I could have, I just love Nike. Were there yeah. other people working there similar to you, like elite young sports people from other codes? No, no, huh? no. Just me. Yeah, okay. Also, I was just thinking, I wonder if that was resonating because you all came from sporting groups, that, 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 that huddle, that team morale was because you're all from sports or it was just the culture that Nike per, permeated? I think just the culture that Nike permeated. And, yeah. um, and Kirsten and our son, Alex, uh, got to go to Nike headquarters in Portland yep. last November cool. um, with one of, my, one of my mates from Nike back in the day. He's now based in Portland yep. and he looks after all of the um, team merchandise for the NBA. Yeah, cool. So he uh, he got to take them through Nike World Headquarters. And it's, from what Kirsten and Alex told me, it's exactly the same. It's just yep. that whole Bigger. team. It's like being at a universe, you know, a college yep. environment. Yep. I think that's just the culture that they, they breed. Yeah. Have you read Shoe Dog? Have you read Phil's book? Yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty good. It's a great yeah, story. I enjoyed that one too. Ames bought that for me yeah. a couple of years back whenever it came out. It was great. Yeah, brilliant story. Loved it. Okay. So you... you you're at Nike, you're playing in the WNBL. What's next? What was your next move? Uh, so then I headed up to Townsville yep. um, in 2001 for their inaugural season. So okay. their first year in the league, which was cool. Went up with uh, Dave Herbert, who was my assistant at Daniel. So what was the reason? Um, why, why did you move up there? Um, just a change, really. I sort of yep. probably got itchy feet and wanted to travel. And that sounded far north Queensland. Who doesn't want to move to somewhere nice and yeah. in Queensland? Uh, and just obviously knowing Herbie as well, being the first time that they're going to be in the league. Um, so yeah, it was good. Went up with Susie Bakovic. She was a first, <laughs> went there t- with her together as well. Yep. Um, yeah. So had a great, loved, loved my time in Townsville. It was awesome. Okay. Tell yeah. me about being drafted in the WNBA. What, what was WNBA. that experience? Yeah. Yes. It's hard one to remember, to be honest, because it happened so long quickly. Long time ago. <laughs> long time ago. And it happened. It was weird. It was weird because it was, I was so young when it happened. Yep. I wish it happened later probably because I, it just went past so quickly that yep. I never, I don't think I was old enough to really take on and comprehend how big a deal it was. So how old were you? So uh, 19. Yep. 
And was it just so? Was it more about them getting your rights for future? Hey, if we need I, someone, I think so. I, yep. Maybe. Yep. So Jess Bibby and I, we we had the same. Obviously, we were playing together at Dan, and we had the same agent. Um, and then just one one day, next thing, we're on a plane to Chicago to go to draft camp. Like it was just bizarre, right? It was so bizarre. So we get we we go on this plane to Chicago, and then we get. We, me and Jess, seriously, she's a funny girl. We get off, we, we walk outside the airport doors and quickly run back in. It was like minus 15 degrees and we were walking out in board <laughs> shorts and T-shirts. Like, I, I just, and that to me, explain, like that just sums the whole thing up. We were so yep. underprepared. We had no clue. Yep. Where, where were we? What were we doing? So we, it was four days of complete madness. We trained like from nine in the morning till nine o'clock at night. It was like one of the worst things I've ever done <laughs> going to WNBA draft day. Like the, the girls there were like, they were just like huge, massive athletes that just, I felt like they would eat me alive. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. Anyway, I, I just remember me and Jess was just like every day, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? What, what's going on? This is so bizarre. So then we had, and we thought, no way. There's no way they're going to draft us. No way. <laughs> so then uh, Katrina Hibbert was over at draft camp too because she was playing for LSU. Yep. So we, I'll never forget. So me, her and Bibby all got put in the same um, scrimmage squad for the last scrimmage of the day. And then we just went to work, the three of us, because yep. it was like, yeah, we've got Aussies on our team now. We can pass to each other. <laughs> and so, um, so we went to work and obviously, cause we all got drafted. So, um, yeah, that was, that was that. So we got drafted, we got drafted. I remember Jess went th- second round, second round or third round, New York. I went the round after her yep. to New York as well. So we both had to put our visas in at the same time. Bibby's came through pretty much straight away. So she, she left and mine took like three weeks longer. So I got to training camp late, yeah, which okay. was really tough. And then I didn't, I didn't make, make the yep. final roster. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was, but again, like then I got to New York again as a 19 year old, like ships taken straight to a hotel, like living in a hotel in Manhattan, honestly, having no idea what I'm doing, just going to practice, catching the bus, catching the train, going to practice, ordering room service, saving my padam because that's cool. I can save a bit yeah, of money yeah. whilst I'm here. It was just so bizarre. It was just such a bizarre experience at WNBA. That's what I'm saying. Like, I wish I had done it when I was 23. When you were a bit more experienced, yeah. Well, I just probably would have even known what New York was. Yeah, yeah. Like, New York. You ask any kid, oh, New York. Well, yeah, I've heard of it. But do you really know (laughs) how big New York City is? No. So, yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. Cool. What a good experience, though. Yeah. As a 19-year-old to go and see Chicago and New York and play you've probably played against people that just in those scrimmages that have gone on to represent the US and all sorts of things so oh yeah yeah it was amazing yeah it was cool and I got to see well that was where it, that's my Michael Jordan story so we had a <laughs> we had like a, a pre-season thing in Phoenix so we yep. flew to Phoenix uh Timsey and Brogues were playing on a Phoenix team and uh the game that we we're playing against and Michael Jordan was sitting courtside I didn't awesome. get to actually shake his hand or anything but he was there watching <laughs> so how how close were that you? That was cool. Oh, pretty close. I like tried to run that sideline. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Ames and yeah, I so went to good. the states for my fortieth a few years back, and we went. We strategically went when uh, to San Francisco when the Cavaliers were coming to town, 
and LeBron got injured. It was like the first time he'd missed games. So oh. we got to see him on the bench, but we didn't get to see him play. So that's our kind of, oh. we'll call him number two uh, experience. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very, Very cool. cool. So tell me about, um, so you, you've gone to Townsville, you, then then you snake your way around the WNBL. So you play, you end up in Sydney. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. So why, so why Sydney? Why the big Townsville city? And then, uh, so Karen Dalton was my assistant coach in Athens. Okay. Uh, so obviously I had you know, built a relationship with Dalt after that. Uh, again, just different opportunity um, to, to go and move to Sydney. Yep. And obviously the University of Sydney being there as well was quite an attraction because um, I didn't do a bachelor. I didn't do an undergrad out of school. Yep. Um, I, st- I had started the bachelor's up in Townsville but didn't, didn't follow that through. So uh, because I had the work experience behind me, I'd had five years of work experience, I was able yep. to enter into a grad cert at University of Sydney. So that was also, I guess, part of the recruitment strategy to get me down there. So most um, of the so women's teams... Did. Most of the women's teams now are aligned to a university. So, does that does that still resonate for the for the players? Do they still get to take advantage of that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, quite yep. a lot of the players are studying, which is wonderful. You know, yep. and obviously having that subsidised as well um, certainly certainly makes sense. I mean, salaries are a little bit higher now, so they don't have to work if they don't need to. But to study and get some something behind you and some credentials, I think, is really important. Yeah. Okay. Did you make it? Yeah. I was just gonna. Did you make it? back to Melbourne because you're a Melbourne girl you played in Townsville and Sydney did you come back to Melbourne at all to finish your career or no no no, I didn't no 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 desire to come home play in front of friends and family no not really they get to see you when you come to town anyway yeah exactly and mum was living on Central Coast up in the Central Coast New South Wales anyway so it was I mean my family had been following me around anyway (laughs) wherever I played so it just felt right at that time well, and also, obviously, where I was in my life to retire just happened to be when I was in Sydney, so. Yeah, okay. Because I've, I've talked to other athletes around that and I always say, you, you know, a, an athlete has a different career end to um, normal Joe worker B. Uh, you get mm. to retire on your own terms, you get cut by a coach, or you get injured. That's mm. pretty much the three ways a sporting career ends. How mm. did your sporting career end? Uh, it was on my own terms. Yep. Um, however, obviously, followed a chain of events, which was me not making the Beijing team in 2008. Yep. Was that due to uh, injury or were you just not selected? Just wasn't picked. Yeah, right. Controversially. However, I did, did win the WNBL MVP that year. So, yes, controversially. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say. No comment. Um, <laughs> and then I went on to play in it- Italy. That's the same year as well. Um, yep. So I sort of ticked the box there in terms of playing in Europe. And then I, and then I started to fall into line with Empire starting yep. in 2010. And because I just started doing the basketball trips to begin with, you know, they were now clashing with WNBL because it was December, December. Um, so I, I retired in 2011. Um, I was 31 at yep. the time. Uh, and I just decided, I mean, purely it came down to the fact that I ticked the boxes I needed to for basketball and that I yep. wanted to for basketball. Could I have kept playing? Absolutely. Like I, my, my ankles, yeah, a bit dodgy and probably in terms of confidence weren't right there, but physically I was still okay to go. Um, but I need, I wanted to invest that time into my business that was sort of now taking over as my new passion. I had I'm new say, goals. Was the, was the passion balance shifting from yeah, playing to empire? It was. I mean, nothing, 
in terms of like that feeling when you run out on the court and the adrenaline you get from the court, no, nothing will ever compare to that. And I miss that every single day. But, yep. um, but yeah, in terms of goal setting and what, it's, what I wanted to accomplish and, and really I didn't have anything behind it because I hadn't earned a lot of money playing basketball. So I had to make a decision where it's just, it was me at that time. I didn't have anyone to support me. So yep. I wanted to really start to establish myself. And I just felt if I had kept playing till now, no, I retire at my age now, 39 now, and then try and start a business or try and start a career. I didn't want to fall into that trap where I've seen a lot of athletes before me, you know, some of my you know, most favoured players have really, really struggled to transition from retirement into business. Yep. Um, so it was, a, it was a really hard one. I didn't really want to keep playing and I did come back and play a few games for Canberra after because I think I just missed it so much yep. and I liked that competitiveness. But looking back, it was definitely the right thing to do at the time. Was there, during your playing career, was there any support from <laughs> teams or national bodies around post-career education? No. Uh, the Flames, did, I mean, obviously the Flames did a good job in the fact that they university had a, they formed, alignment. yeah, university alignment, but also they formed good bonds between you and the sponsors. Yep. So that gave you network. If you wanted it, if you were outgoing enough and like to network, then that gave you networking opportunities. Yep. Um, and I, all the sponsors were really fantastic. You know, they weren't, um, they weren't too big or too good for you. They, they were you know, felt, you know, they gave you any help or any mentorship you need. So that was really good. But in terms of the state, state or national bodies, no, there was no, no structure Yep. So you just had to do it yourself. Just had to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. Two thousand and four. Tell me about yes. your Athens experience and and the eventual living that dream of getting on that dice. Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, again, it was one of those things. I was still very young, so it went very quickly. And do you take it all in? Probably not. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it was, I mean, we'd been to Greece anyway prior, so that was a good thing. We had had um, a tournament, pre-Olympic tournament over there. So I knew what, where we were going and what we were doing and the significance of Athens and the history of the Olympic Games, which was really cool. So we got to, we were able to go out and um, venture out and see all of the old Olympic sites and whatnot. Um, but it was, a, it was such a cool, obviously for the team, it was a cool experience because um, in the lead-up, we didn't have the whole team together. We had quite a number of players that were playing in the WNBA somewhere in Europe. So just, um, you know, using technology, which is nothing like today, but using technology to try and um, work together, hold each other accountable was cool. And that taught me a lot of things for later on in life as well, how you bring a high-performing team together under such circumstances. Yeah, great. Um, and then the actual event was insane. <laughs> it was such like the village is like a massive town. And the dining hall is incredible. And we just basically sat there in our spare time watching all the amazing athletes filter through. Yep. Um, who, you, who was your favourite? Who was the favourite athlete you got to see or meet? Um, Roger Federer. Yeah, great. Um, and bec only because, funny story, so we were getting, we wanted our photos with him. Yep. And he, he was, he's so humble and so lovely. And he's like, oh, uh, no, no, you should, uh, you should be taking a photo with uh, this guy yep. <laughs> who, who he was walking with. And we were like... Uh, no, we want a photo with you. <laughs> He's like, no, no, trust me, trust me. So we took a photo with this guy. We had no idea who it was. Anyway, end up being Raphael Nadal. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> and he was really young. He was obviously really young then. Yep. Um, so that was pretty cool. And uh, we got to go watch some good events. You know, we went and watched the yep. beach volleyball, um, the swimming, you know, all that sort of stuff. So tennis. Tell me about the on-court. Cool. Tell me about the on-court. 
on court battles. Um, yeah. So our first game, our first game was against Nigeria at like 10 in the morning. And, um, you know, our coach was always saying like that first game, it's one of the hardest games, sometimes harder than the, the gold medal game. And the stadium was pretty much empty and it was first thing in the morning. And I remember <laughs> we came out of the blocks and it was real, you know, point hard to get point, into point. it. Yeah, hard to get into it. And then we ended up running it, running it out. But um, yep. it, was a good, it was a good starter. I, I would hate to be a team, you know, have to come up against the US or up, up against yep. Australia or something first up. It's a real hard one out of the blocks because it could go anyway. So we had then we had Greece in our pool as well. Um, and that was a, like, that was a feature game. So it was at 7.30 p.m. Stadium was fully packed. Yeah, I was going to say packed house. Uh, packed house, you know, lots of chanting, just like you see on European football, you know, yep. crowds going wild. Um, so that was really cool as well. So we went through undefeated through the rounds, uh, crossed over quarterfinal with New Zealand, which was good. Um, obviously disposed of them pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, and then we played Brazil. Yep. Um, uh, to go through to the medal medal game. So yep. that was good. So we beat Brazil uh, by about eight points, and then we qualified through to gold medal for. What's uh, your memories of that gold medal US. game? Yes. Uh, so I actually didn't get to uh, play on the court, but that's okay. Yeah, okay. It was good. I was definitely the the um like the team clown or the team motivator or the team jumper yep. upper, whatever you want to call it. Um, every team needs one of those. Every team needs it. That's it exactly. Uh, so it was like we were in it. We were definitely in it. Um. It was like, it felt like a really long game, which was good because sometimes they go for a blink of an eye. Yeah. Uh, we ended up going down by 11 points. Um, but it was definitely, a, I mean, I think that we gave it our all. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think there was too much else we could have done. Um, and then after that, when we lost, it was real weird. It was weird because usually like when you play basketball, you're playing yeah. the grand final, there's one winner. Yep. Uh, but this one, so we're like all like feeling sad. And then like someone, well, somebody said, uh, we won a silver medal. She's got a silver medal. So then, yeah. so then, so they instantly go from being sad to like celebrating. Yeah. Which is like weird because you never celebrate <laughs> when you're a runner up. Yep. <laughs> Usually, like you're so demoralised and like upset. But yeah, so then, then you sort of forgot about the gold medal and I was just like, yeah, we won a silver medal. And then yep. obviously that moment, you know, we went back into the change rooms. We're all celebrating. Da da da. And then we had to walk out onto the dais. Now, you know, for me, that was the most emotional time. You know, pretty much everyone's in tears at that point when you're walking out because it's very surreal. You've got the goosebumps, the crowd, like, you know, you've accomplished everything in your life up until that point. You know, this is exactly what you've worked for. So, yeah, to stand up there was, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps now. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. definitely all, it was all worth it, you know, and just like think of myself when I was a little girl, like, yeah, that's me now. People back home on TV, little girls back home on TV are watching. I want to be like, yeah. Absolutely. That's great. So, yeah. And then now, tell me about, because I know you don't just do the travel stuff. You still coach. You're still connected to the game. You're still connected to those little girls and boys trying to get them to their next phase. Tell me about that. Tell me about what you do in the coaching phase. uh, Yeah. So, um, again, like whilst I worked throughout my career, I also like to coach. Um, that was the first way I started earning any money when I was a kid was doing all the camps. Yep. Uh, and I mean, you know me, I'm pretty outgoing and a bit of a goofball and like to crack jokes. And I think that I probably resonate with kids quite well. Um, and, um, I've got an, a, a little bit of harshness about me too. So I can certainly be serious. And I think that kids like that dose with me. They, they definitely know where they stand. There's no gray areas. There's no in-betweens. They know what my expectations are and whatnot. So, um, I think that, you know, I was born 
with like this gift to be able to share and teach and um, inspire, you know, and I think that obviously everything I've, I've taken on the core and done in my, through my experiences, I should be giving back, you know, that's my way to give back to, to other kids and instill that with that in other kids. So, yeah, so I coach uh, Frankston Blues. I coach the 14 girls there. I've been in the club for four years. Um, my youngest daughter plays in the 14s as well, in the fours. Um, and then I do a lot of individuals. So individual coaching every day, pretty much. Yeah, great. Coach every day. Yeah, I coach every day. Woo! Still connected into <laughs> it. Well, look, the yes. people of Frankston are very fortunate. <laughs> I wish you were still here in Maitland because I've got three young girls that would love to be coached by Nat Porter, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can jump on my virtual program. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to look into that for sure. There you go. There you go. So, look, um, final question. We've got a bit of a uh, time machine with our podcast. If yes. we could put you in a time machine and rewind the clock to 20-year-old Nat Porter, given mm. what you know now, what advice would you give her? Definitely to be probably more calmer and not so angry and frustrated because I yeah, was, okay. as a player, I was a frustrated player. Yep. Definitely, definitely. That was my biggest weakness was that I was a frustrated player. If things Sounds weren't going my way or, yeah, if things weren't going my way individually or with the team, I would get frustrated and show that. Yep. I think now, especially, you know, in business, like, probably when I started the business and had my first staff member, probably that still continued. I still had that, you know, visible visibility. Whereas now I feel like that's one area I've really tried to work on. Like not only like having a family, but also being a boss, being a coach. Don't get me wrong. I still get angry (laughs) as a coach, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I, I would like to think that, yeah, what I've learned in terms of being calm and focused and not so emotional, I would like to take that back as a 20-year-old. Okay. I think that would have made me a probably a better player. Okay. Good advice. Yeah. Excellent. Well, look, before we finish Thank up, you. what about some shout-outs? Have you got, um, yeah, Empire um, on Facebook, Instagram? Where, where can we find out about your business? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Empire is on Facebook or just empire.com.au is our website. So, you can so check out N-P-I-R-E. our... So, Is that right? Yeah, NP for Natalie Porter. That's the one. Yep. Uh, and yeah, we've just, um, obviously with COVID, we've uh, just started our Empire Training Online program last week. Um, that sounds great. Yeah, which is not just basketball, we've got um, athletics as well, and we've got martial arts, we've got a few different things, and goal setting and what bits and pieces. So yeah, you cool. can find us, we're just Empire Training on Facebook. Yep, and we'll share all those links on our uh, podcast page on our website. So awesome. thank you so much for joining us today, Nat. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs>